0: You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie. Winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today um, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about better movement. And the reason I want to bring this up is because I did a podcast last week on scapular winging. And I got a great question from Matt C. He said, I'm assuming the problem with scapular winging is that it'll allow for dysfunctional movement of the scapula, correct? Thus limiting range of motion at the shoulder. Now, I think it's interesting because I had done a whole podcast on scapular winging and then I did not discuss why we were addressing scapular winging. And I think that that Matt kind of makes a good point and he shows me this when he asks, well, why are we addressing this? And I'm assuming, and he assumes correctly, that there could be some dysfunctional movement. It can limit range of motion at the shoulder, um, but it can also, in some instances, for some people, increase range of motion at the shoulder where they wouldn't be able to do so had they not it's like it's like uh, one dysfunction helps to support another. I can't get my arm over my head, but if I arch my back, suddenly I can. Well, that's an example of um, doing a compensation in one area so that another, one other area can move a little bit better. Um, and so it is possible that scapular winging can not just limit range of motion in some instances, but can create range of motion in, in other ways. So that's possible. Uh, Also, potential pain, right? So there's a question about that as well. And the bottom line is, you may be completely pain-free with scapular winging. The fact of the matter is that it may not have any functional issue with scapular winging whatsoever. It doesn't cause any pain. It doesn't limit your range of motion, your ability to live your daily life. So why bring it up? And, and I think this is important because we do oftentimes like to scare people. Hey, that movement is dysfunctional, right? We get dysfunctional and we say, oh, you're going to get hurt. Oh, it limits your range of motion. Oh, that can lead to pain later on. And all of those are true, except for the fact that there may be a large swath of population that never gets hurt from this. It never causes any issue. So why? Why would we address it anyway? Well- One of my favorite all-time quotes is from Maya Angelou, and she says, do the best you can until you know better, and then when you know better, do better. So why do we address movement? Because it can show limitations. Anyone can make you get your heart rate up. There is zero skill in that. Anyone can make you work out until you are so sore that you cannot walk up or downstairs. Downstairs, why is that so painful? You can't brush your teeth. You can't brush your hair. There is zero skill in making you that sore. Anyone can make you do burpees until you burp up your breakfast, and there is zero skill in that. Instagram trainers, movie star turned fitness brands, and the guy at the gym that's just more jacked than the rest of us can give you a challenging workout, and there is zero skill in that. Skill comes when you can safely, effectively, and efficiently work with people to help them reach their goals by identifying their goals, by figuring out what their needs are and what their wants are. So if I cannot put my arms all the way overhead in in an assessment, any kind of assessment, overhead squat assessment, or just arms up in the air assessment, and I cannot do that, There's something needs to be addressed, and it has nothing to do with burning calories. If I can squat with my knees knocking, and that's just how I squat, my knees knock, that may never lead to knee dysfunction, that may never lead to knee pain, it may never lead to low back pain. There's plenty of research that shows that it does, but in in a, a... population, there may not affect adverse uh, these people adversely at all. So the knees are knocking together. There's still something to be addressed there. If I walk and my feet turn out and my arch falls significantly, there's something to be addressed there. It is not contingent on my ability to cut weight. It is not contingent on my ability to get a biceps vein or to make my muscles sore. It is better training because we see an imbalance that can be addressed. And this is the difference between certified fitness professionals and the wannabes. Why? What's that difference? The difference is ensuring safety when you're lifting and providing a progressive overload and building from where they are. That's the difference between certified fitness professionals and wannabes. Understanding how to put together a program that addresses what these uh, clients want from us. What they need from us and how we can get them closer to their desired outcomes safely, effectively, efficiently. That's the difference between certified professionals and wannabes. And so we have to look at all of these things. When we look at better movement, I don't look at a scapular winging and go, the chances are you may not, it may not ever bother you. So don't worry about it. What I want to do, and this isn't against Matsy, It's Matt, you pointed out something for me to address. And I want to say thank you for bringing this up. But why? Why are we addressing it? Because there's an imbalance there that we get to address. And when our clients come to us, yes, they may come to us because they love burning the calories. But they come to us because we're professionals. And as a professional, I look and I see scapular winging and I realize this may limit your ability to produce, reduce, or dynamically stabilize, clearly the inability to dynamically stabilize the scapula in multiple planes at various speeds, safely and in a coordinated fashion. So can I address that while still helping you reach your goals? Can I potentially stave off injury, even though you may never be hurt by it? You may. And so I can address that and say, let's move better. Let's do better. Why? Because that's going to affect how many calories I burn? No, it has nothing to do with it. Why? Because that's going to affect how much I bench press? Maybe. Maybe. But that could also really not have much to do with it. What about how much I dip or how much I pull up? I I think the potential is there because scapular dyskinesis is going to have a huge impact on your ability to produce those forces. But it may never bother you. You may never know you have it. And you have all the hypertrophy and the pecs and the lats and all that stuff, you feel really good about it. But you you have scapular winging. So what can I do as a fitness professional? I can look at it and say, hey, let's bring balance to the body. Let's find the weakness, I think this is really where we drive the point home. We find the weakness, not just focus on your strengths and see if we can rebuild that. What's wrong with the car? Nothing, but it could be better. The alignment is off, so we're going to create a better version. And Now, I don't want to just focus on this because we talk about, and oh man, we we called out... um Movie stars turned fitness brands. And we talked about Instagram trainers. And let me tell you something. They have their place. And they bring eyes to what it is that we do. And I will also point out that there are a lot of people that might be the -the by-the-book trainers. They're by-the-book trainers. There's a listener to the podcast named Jeremy. And he tells me about um, these by-the-book trainers And the clients really don't like the training session. They think it's boring. Programming by the book isn't right for everyone because people are people and they are not robots. So you putting together the perfect, that's air quotes, you can't see it if you just listen, the perfect program. It might be perfect if all things were created equal and all the bodies were exactly the same and whether or not the, the clients had an opinion of it being enjoyable. Then yes, you could probably put together better programs, but you know, here's an example. I've been to Thailand to teach at the Asian Fitness Conference on I think three occasions. My wife went me the very first time, and one of the things that we did, or she did, she was like, "I'm going to get a massage every day. Just get hour long massage for like ten bucks or twelve bucks," and she was like, "I'm going to do this every single day." and And we're in Thailand, so I was like, okay, I I agree. I'm going to get a Thai massage. Now, a Thai massage is different. It is a specific type of massage where there's a lot of stretching. And I don't get Thai massages anymore. You want to know why? Because it hurts. Or it hurt me. And why did it hurt me so much? Well, because they were by the book, but they were not by the body. They went by the book. This is how we stretch this, and this is how we stretch this, and this is how we stretch this. And they did that, but my knee on the right side doesn't as bend as much as my knee on the left side. But they didn't take that into account, and that hurt. And my right shoulder pinches, and the noise that I made when I was pulled into that weird position apparently was a squeal of approval to them. It wasn't. That's not the intention of the sound that I made. But that was how they were supposed to move my arm. And it did it on the other side. And my spine doesn't extend as much as other people's spines. But she didn't care. This was like the WWE move that needed to be done regardless of what my limitations were. And it may have been the best Thai massage ever put together, but not for me. So, if you want to put together a great program, then uh, how about this? If you want to put a, together a great program that no one likes, then you uh, you need to change. <laughs> it's a great program. It's a great program that no one likes. It's not them that needs to fall in line to you. It's you that needs to change to meet their needs, their wants, their desires. No one's claim to fame is being the best trainer that no one wants to work with. No one's claim to fame is that. No one's claim to fame is putting together the best programs that no one wants to do. Nobody ever got famous that way. No one's path to success is powered by being the best at pushing people away. That's just not. How it works. And so when people are by the book, for instance, the OPT model is a model, it's a path, it's progressive, it's a system, it's an outline for success. However, if you get to something that your client hates, you have to remember that you are human too. You are not a book, you are not a robot. So you cannot treat your clients that way, especially. If they're new to the gym and, and exercise and, they, think about this. If you knew new to the gym and exercise, you had to cross um, a moat to get across to a castle. And this is really hard for you to get to the gym. This is, this is the challenge. You cross the moat to get into the gym. And then you realize when you get there that it's the dragon hiding inside the gym. You're not hiding from the dragon inside the castle. You are the dragon. You can't be the dragon. You can't be the monster they're trying to hide from. We must be capable of great training programs and capable of empathetic training as well. This is where art and skill are married and how we will build great success and incredible outcomes. In fact, I sign off on many of my episodes with keep inspiring people to fitness, which can only be done if you're uplifting, if you're adding some excitement, if you're stirring up interest and you add intrigue into what you do, and being really good at the training bits as well. So why do we do all the stuff that we do? I think that, yes, doing some things that really shows You are the professional that we can address things you didn't even know you needed to address, like scapular winging. Why? Because it's an imbalance that you can bring balance back to. And you can have it work harmoniously with the rest of the shoulder girdle to bring stability to that. Why? Because it gets rid of pain? In some instances it does, but maybe not. Maybe you never have pain. Maybe you never have weakness. Maybe you're never pushing yourself at a heavy enough weight where that's going to make a difference. And that's fine. But you can still be balanced with it. Why? Because we're professionals and we identify these and we work towards them. doesn't mean we don't work towards the other things that you want to do. So um, keep inspiring people to fitness. Be inspiring. Don't just be the robot training brilliantly. Do brilliant training, but know that you train people and that by-the-book approaches need to not necessarily be, I don't know, um, law. shouldn't be dogma, so support your clients in the way that they need to be supported, and that's going to be different for a lot of people. For different people have different ways that they like to be trained, and some people would just be like, hey, put me through the ringer, do what it is that you do to me. I'm I'm good for it. And some people will be like, do we have to do that again? All right. Ebb and flow, work with it. All right. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. You want to reach out to me um, like this individual did, Matsy. You can reach out on Instagram at dr.rickrichie, or you can hit me up uh, email, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. Keep inspiring people to fitness. Uh, Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.